Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on core temp arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Hello, and welcome to Podstalgic. I am your host, Peter. And this podcast, I take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old. And for this episode, doing an older movie. And joining me is Liz, one of the hosts of TV at My Brain. Hey, Liz. Hey, Peter. What's up? Hey, how you doing today? Good, good. Happy to be here. Yes, thank you for joining me. We are going to uh, review The American President, which is a 1995 film. Uh, but before we get into all of that good stuff, um, can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the shows that you cover at TV at My Brain? Uh, for those that have uh, you know, subscribed to uh, what was formerly Hydrate Level 4 may remember you from uh, Mighty Ducks 2 and 3. Ooh, yeah, that was a fun episode. Um, yeah, I do TV Ate My Brain, which is a show that covers multiple different TV shows. So any um, TV show that you're interested in, somebody on our network is usually covering it. All the big ones, all the random ones. Um, me personally, I cover Riverdale. Carly and I do that. Carly is from Talking Shondaland and That Pop This Life. And I also cover Nashville on TV 8 My Brain with Devin, who is Peter's co-host on We Got Five. Yeah. Yep. He, he is a thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were some uh, previous uh, sh- shows that you covered as well that may be like on hiatus or whatever? Oh, um. Dwight and I did eleven twenty two sixty three limited run awesome review yeah yeah so we um covered there was only a few episodes because it was um um pretty short in general and I did and I hate to say this and I have to finish it off but um Chris Revel and I did do the first half of the current season of You're the Worst which now the season has wrapped up and we have not due to my own negligence finished that one off so. Hopefully we could do that in the next couple weeks. I mean, Chris isn't here. We can totally blame it on him. <laughs> <laughs> he may never know. Right. He, he yeah. does it. He claims to be a listener, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if he hears <laughs> this or not. So, you know, a little love uh, shot at Chris there. Obviously, he's a very close friend of the show. Uh, last summer, he did a takeover episode, which him and a, I guess, I apologize, I forget the name, they covered... Um, what was it the uh, the Muppets movie? You know from the late seventies. So oh, fun episode. Uh, he he brought a puppeteer on to talk about that movie. So uh, check him out. Let's chat with Rebel and Friends for those that have not uh, yet heard him. Okay, so the American President. It came out November seventeenth of nineteen ninety five. Uh, the number one song at that time was Mariah Carey's Fantasy. song you're familiar with i do yes that was um wasn't there there was the original version didn't there also wasn't there a remix version or was that a different mariah carey song you know what once she hooked up with bad boy i felt like they remixed all her songs um i'm thinking like Did, honey she, honey was didn't one. she do one with old dirty bastard like I, he, I don't know if there was like two versions of that but but fantasy did have old old uh odb on there Okay. All right. Yeah. That was a cool song. So me, Mariah, go back since Pacifier, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) that's the song. It was number one for eight weeks. 
And um, you know, this was the end of '95, and like kind of looking back, there was a lot of huge songs uh, that came out、um, that year for extended time as well. Like you know, just taking it back a little bit,、um, the the year started out with "Unbended Knee," and then it went to "Creep" for like a month and a half. Take a bow by Madonna. This is how we do it.、Um, Waterfalls later on. Kiss from a rose. You are not alone by MJ. Gangsta's Paradise for three weeks. Fantasy. Shoop and One Sweet Day. That's that's all the number one hits. Those are all so familiar. Wow, I feel really old now because this was what twenty one years ago, twenty close to twenty two. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, almost twenty. It'll be twenty two later this year. So yeah, that is kind of it is really crazy. And you know,、um, having doing this for almost three years now, and looking back at like some of the songs、uh, or the years, like the songs in the years,、um, they weren't like on the on the billboards for as long as. I guess later on, you know, like in the '90s is when I started seeing like extended time for songs to be spending at number one. So it's kind of crazy to see. So very interesting. Yeah, well, you know, it makes me feel old mostly because whatever is top on the charts nowadays, I either haven't heard of them or I don't enjoy it, or <laughs> or I have my kids have to tell me what songs are cool now. So I. Though, that list, though, I listened to and rocked out to all of that. So yeah, I mean, obviously they were all on the radio, but nowadays you got、um, you know musicians that have the capability of making music in in their garage, in their in their bedrooms, you know. So kind of crazy. And like、um, I found this out like not too long ago from a recent episode I did. But Migos, you know, who had Bad and Bougie was number one. And I was like, I didn't even hear of Migos until、uh, the show Atlanta came out, you know.、Uh, which shoutouts to Allegra and Mariano, you know, who covered Atlanta at TV at my brain. But、um, are you familiar with Migos or that song at all? No, I'm not. And the only other there's like a, and I think they're like local to Detroit. And so I'm kind of curious if you've heard this song before. But my kids got super into.、Um, Juju on the beat. Oh, okay, yeah, very familiar. Yeah. I mean, they have their own、uh, dance. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, my kid, in he's in first grade. So like whatever his friends at school, somehow he had heard of that. And so I had to ask like, what exactly is this? And so then I watched the video and and saw it. And they both of them just sing it, love it. They they're a little off of it now, but I mean they went through a phase around Thanksgiving. That's all they would sing. Oh yeah, my my little toddler, he too loves that song. Very catchy song that one. You know,、uh, we <laughs>、yeah. got a local guy named Amine. Who came out with a song as well、um, here in Portland, and it reached the the billboards. I don't know how high, but definitely not up there、uh, with Juju. But、um, other movies that came out the same weekend, Goldeneye.、Mm. Might have heard of that little indie movie. <laughs> yeah, I am not. I've never really been into、um, James Bond. I did in college when one of when I was away at college, a new one came out, and so some of the guys that lived in the dorms with me, they wanted to plan a big day and everybody go. So I did go see whatever one that was. So that would have been in like two thousand two or two thousand three. But yeah, I never really watched any other、uh, James Bond movies. <laughs> yeah, I I actually owned the entire Blu-ray set. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna do a binge, and I think I didn't get past like four. <laughs> I mean, there's so many of them, but I mean, eventually, I want to watch them all.、Um, uh, this is probably one of Devin's favorite movies of all time. It takes two with the Olsen twins. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that one. And, you know, I'm, I'm not even joking. It probably is one of his favorite movies. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and the other movie that came out didn't do very well, uh, The Crossing Guard with uh, um, Jack Nicholson, which I think it was also directed by Sean Penn. So that's a, a look back in 1995 there. Um, so The American President, It uh, is this a movie? Uh, how many? When's the, when's the first time you saw this movie, do you think? I probably saw, I, de- I definitely didn't see it at the movies because I would have been like, you know, 13, I think, right? Is that how old we were? We're pretty close to the same age, I think. Yeah. So Roughly, yeah. Somewhere, somewhere in that, that age range in which we were like going to the movies on our own here and there, but I, I, we definitely didn't see this one. But I know that I've watched this movie quite a few times, so it probably was cable, you know, whenever it came out on video and was, you know, on cable. I may have rented it, you know, back in the day at Blockbuster before I worked there. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think I did know that about you. Um, I, I feel like, you know, there's always, um, there's always th- that, I don't know if it started with you, but I feel like Devin's the one that always told me that, but, um, you know, you're like the female version of me, you know, <laughs> our love for Back to the Future and the, the movie theaters and all that. So yeah. um, definitely some similarities. This movie for me, I uh, also did not watch it uh, in the movie theater. I think when it came out, I was like the American president and a girlfriend. I was like, I don't know. Like I, I remember the trailer and the the moment in the trailer that really stuck out and I remember the most is um, when Martin Sheen's like the president has a girlfriend. You know, that's that's the line that I remember. But this movie, I probably didn't see until uh, I want to say about ninety, maybe. Maybe about 99, so about four years later. And the only reason I saw this movie was because in my junior year, I feel, junior or senior year, I kind of forget at this point, but uh, I was um, I was in a like a film class you know not your not your traditional film class but a a class where you know we didn't study film but we watched a lot of it and learned a, you know a, a you know good amount about it and uh, the workings behind film and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, we were put into groups and we were given the uh, task or assignment of kind of creating, producing, and writing our own short. And me and my group, we basically did um, a remake of Goonies. Essentially, mm-hmm. and that wasn't even the idea. Like it just—that's just what it ended up being. Like we didn't have a script; we just did everything on the fly. Like no lie, and um, and what we what I did was I went to Tower Records. If anybody remembers what those are, um, it, it's basically kind of like iTunes, but an actual store. And <laughs> so I did some of the editing. Um. And I did some of the audio stuff. And so what I did was I went to Tower Records and I was just looking for music scores and I was looking for something very dramatic. And I ended up leaving with the American president and Titanic. And, Mm. you know, you couldn't, you can sample these songs like you can on iTunes, you know, back in the day, unless you went to like a, like a FI, you know, like for your entertainment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have like those stations where you can listen to it. But for the most part, Tower Records did not. So I just kind of bought these two on a whim. Uh, well, obviously, having seen Titanic numerous times, um, but the American president, I was just like, oh, we need something dramatic. And I thought, 
you know, this might have that. So that's the first time I really heard about this movie was from that soundtrack. And then ultimately, like people are like, oh yeah, that's a, that's actually a really good movie. I was like, well, why not? You know, so I rented it, watched it. I was like, hey, that, that was pretty good. But when, um, kind of looking back, I kind of only remember it as like a rom-com. Watching it for this review, I remembered very little of the political side of it. Yeah. And, you know, it was really timely that we watch this now. And like so much is different, but so much is exactly the same in politics. Yeah. Isn't <laughs> it, was, it crazy? It was really odd to like hearing their arguments and in the, the Republicans and the Democrats and all it's all the same arguments. It's just a different time period. This this could have been done like for the elections. <laughs> yeah. 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 It really could have. There were so many things that were said that were just like you could apply to now specifically yeah absolutely so. uh what well, more about this movie it was directed by rob reiner you know who's done your um princess bride few good men you know a bunch of uh, classics obviously stand by me stand by me okay kind of forgot but you're right um classics for sure right now mm -hmm. the surprise mm -hmm. uh, aaron sorkin i well obviously i didn't know uh, who he was at the time when the movie came out but you know, all these years, you know, he did recently uh, the Steve Jobs movie, you know, uh, went on to do West Wing, which I saw a lot of. Uh, I didn't see West Wing. However, watching the movie, I was like, I'm pretty sure that guy was in the movie. And, <laughs> you know, that actress, yeah. she was uh, or on the show. And so funny that I found out that Aaron Sorkin did write a bunch of like uh, this movie while high on crack cocaine. You know, I don't know if that was a joke, but that's something that he told... TV Guide that he wrote it while often high on crack cocaine is what Wikipedia wow. says. So that's kind of crazy. I didn't know him to be like an Oliver Stone kind of guy. But yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting, you know, because the dialogue in here is what really stood out for me this time around. Yeah, definitely. And it was very well cast, too. I think that there were a lot of seemingly small characters or small roles. And the, the people that were chosen to do them really brought a lot out. I mean, Michael J. Fox uh, specifically, but I mean, we're probably biased. Oh, you mean Al Alex P. Keaton? That's <laughs> 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 who it really was. <laughs> but yes, I, oh God, I loved the him in liberal, this movie. The liberal version of Alex P. Keaton. <laughs> right. Yeah, Michael J. Fox was pretty amazing in this one. Um, yeah, let's talk about some of the, the people in here. Uh, Michael Douglas plays, you know, President Shepard. I thought he was pretty good. In, in some points, he kind of looked like a... Uh, Kind of like Bill Pullman a little bit from Independence Day, or is that just me? Um, I the hair me, maybe the hair the hair was similar definitely. Yeah, I mean Michael Douglas is he's kind of that guy who's always been around, so it's hard to look at him as anything else. Like he just seems like he's always playing himself, I guess, or what okay. I guess what I think that he is, you right. know. So kind I of I mean that. like my first experience with him is romancing the stone, so. I just always kind of think of him like that. And he did actually come across pretty presidential. I don't know that I buy the, he's supposed to be very educated, you know, Stanford educated. I don't know if he pulled that off quite as well, but I liked the idea, the way that they presented him. And as um, having Martin Sheen being his close friend and advisor and basically flat out saying like, well, you wouldn't be here if I wasn't here. <laughs> like you couldn't be doing this if it wasn't for me. And that seemed pretty also true in a lot of um, political 
settings where I think that there is like the face and then there's all the people working behind that person to make to to make it up. And I think they show you that in this movie right in the very first opening scenes where he's going through his day and you see all the people around him that are making all the parts move and and come together. Yeah, it's it, 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 yeah. You really see the behind the scenes. You, you mentioned it. Uh, Martin Sheen plays AJ, um, his best friend in the White House, chief of staff. Annette Bening is the love interest as Sidney Wade. Uh, David Paymer, which I completely forgot was in this one, but he's he's great in everything he does. But he's also um, the deputy chief of staff uh, as Leon Kodak. He was the he was the really clumsy guy. Was he clumsy? They they kind of had him show him a little a little clumsy when he was like walking in. They're like, "Call him. Where is he?" And then he's okay. like, "You hear something fall in the in the background." They're like, "All right, never mind. He's here." What else? What else do you know him from though? Because I don't think. I mean, he may have looked familiar to me, but nothing specific stood out that I remember him from. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to pull up the the IMDb, but uh, I I know him in like literally everything. But um, let's see, he was in. Searching for Bobby Fisher. I remember him in there. Heart and Souls as the bus driver, which is a movie I also covered on here. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Is that really it? Is that all I knew him from? <laughs> uh, he's in a lot of things. Mighty Joe Young, uh, Amistad, The Sixth Man, even. Uh, Get Shorty. So both City Slickers. Okay. Howard the Duck. He had a, had a role in Airplane 2. So kind of like... um. I don't know if this would be a good, a good comparison, but you know how Michael Jeter seems to pop up in like every movie. You're like, oh shit, that's Michael Jeter. Yeah, yeah, and but that's pretty funny that you had the thought in your mind that he's great, and you're like, what? Well, what do I know him from? So that's kind of the sign of a good character actor, like that they make an impact on you, but not in a way that's like overtaking the story or even the movie. So. Yeah, and and for me, like I I say that, and I guess like um, without thinking about it, but Heart and Souls is a movie I you know kind of grew up on, and in that review, I kind of kind of gushed about it. How like yeah, this was like the rom com I always just kind of gravitated to, and my uh, co-host on that episode was Alicia, who is at least ten, maybe eleven years younger than I, so she was just like, oh yeah, this movie's mm, it's 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 cool, it's okay, and I'm like. What? <laughs> you know, I was, a li- I was a little salty. I was a little salty. I'm not going to lie. But uh, yeah, he he had a role in there too. But a uh, very recognizable face for me for sure. So, yeah. um, you know, like uh, recently I did uh, The Fisher King with the, the Cutaways podcast. And when Michael Jeter showed up, I'm like, what? Michael Jeter? And he was like one of the best things in that movie. Um, so, yeah, David Paymer. Uh, who else we got in here? Uh, we mentioned Michael J. Fox, who plays Lewis. And I think that's oh well no uh, Richard Dreyfus we might as well mention him mm-hmm. as uh, Senator Rumson. Um, yep, and the I guess, father the father from Frasier, which I don't know his name, but he played Sydney's boss, and also um, Josh Molina, who oh, yeah, is Scandal. from of Scandal fame now, and West which, Wing. Yeah, well, I see, and I I feel like now after I watched this movie and I kind of enjoyed it, I kind of was like, I don't think I like politics necessarily in <laughs> entertainment, but um, now I'm kind of thinking I might enjoy The West Wing because I did actually really like rewatching this movie as an adult. Like, I think when I watched it when I was younger, I didn't really think too hard about the politics. It was more like, oh, look, the you know, it's so romantic and they're in love. I didn't really think about the political aspect of the show, and it was really well written and really well done. 
done. So I think I would like to go back and try the West Wing and see what I think about that. See, I think so too, Liz. We're right here. You know, I I mentioned at the top there that I kind of only remember this as a rom-com, completely forgot about the politics. I'm not a political person, and this episode uh, right here might be the most political I get, and I I still won't get political. But um, yeah, after watching this and knowing that uh, like the first season of West Wing was basically a bunch of like... um, you know, things that were like edited out of this movie made it onto there does make me want to go back and kind of watch West Wing. So um, I might have to do a rewatch with you. Yeah, definitely. And there was a woman who worked in the office with. Um, OK, yeah, her name's um, Wendy Malik. So she was from Just Shoot Me. She was like the model kind of the aging model from just shoot me that sitcom from a few years ago but she's kind of a recognizable person thing too recognizable face where i was like oh i know her but i don't know what exactly i knew her from so and the daughter who plays lucy shepherd she um one of my favorite movies when i was a kid was little little giants which i have no idea why but i watched that movie so many times it was hilarious. Well, you, clearly you're into sports, and I mean, you got uh, Rick Moranis and Al Bundy, you know. So <laughs> yeah, the movie was just—I um, don't—I I can't even say what what drew me to it, but I guess that underdog misfit uh, style of t- storytelling really gets me. I uh, wanted to kind of touch on the Wendy Malick you brought up. I recently did Scrooge. Uh, she was also on Scrooge as the sister-in-law. Um, oh. But I, I feel like I recognize her from a TV show as well. But also, kind of like, uh, kind of like how we were just talking about David Paymer. You know, she's in a lot of different things. Rec- uh, very recognizable face. Um, there was another person I was gonna touch on, or maybe not. Oh, well, no. I, actually, I guess I was gonna add that Richard Dreyfuss was also in uh, Mr. Holland's Opus that opened up this very same year. So mm-hmm. very busy year for him, which I think in that movie, he also got nominated for Best Actor, if I'm not mistaken. So um, good year for him. I mean, I know yeah, he's, he's wasn't like a focus point in, in right. this movie, but still very effective. Well, it's, it's funny because I imagine at that point in time, he was a very famous face, but he's almost unrecognizable because of the character that he's playing and how they, you know, the glasses and the hair and whatever the, whatever he's done to his persona that makes him not Richard Dreyfus to me at all. Like he, it's like I said, kind of unrecognizable in that, in that role. So, which is good because he was a terrible person. Yeah. He was I the mean, enemy. Um, <laughs> The, the the character that he plays, uh, you know, has to be unlikable, right? I mean, you got yeah. uh, President Shepard, who's a, a handsome man. He's got very nice hair. So you got to have the anti-Shepard, right? You got to have mm-hmm. someone who doesn't have great hair, yeah. wearing the glasses. Uh, I think he looks a little bit heavier. I mean, because Richard Dreyfus, like normal, is a very handsome man, too. Yeah, so, right. I, I, I agree with you. I think they made him look a certain way for us to kind of be like, yeah, you know, that that wouldn't be our president. I mean, not at this point. Was, mm. was What About Bob one of your movies from when you were a kid or did you kind of skip past that one? Um, I, I definitely saw it like a handful of times, but it wasn't one of my things. There was another another one I watched a million times. I have no explanation for why. Either it was just on a lot or I really thought it was hilarious. So, Do you love Bill Murray? 
I don't love Bill Murray. Um, and that movie always made me like uncomfortable because I was like, I was so sympathetic toward Richard Dreyfuss's character. I was like, Oh my God, Bob, like get out of here. Like he was so, it was, it was, I get like that sometimes when I'm watching things, if there's like embarrassment or like something on the screen, I can kind of feel that internal shame or whatever. And I, it makes it uncomfortable for me to watch, but, but yeah, so I definitely watched that movie, like feeling so terrible for Richard Dreyfuss because he is so um, beaten down. <laughs> yeah, I I think maybe that's why like I wasn't like a huge fan of that movie as well. It's just well, I mean not as well, but it's fine. You know, I I mean I wouldn't mind like watching it again or anything like that. But I I don't love Bill Murray. I like him a lot, and I love like a, a good amount of his movies. Uh, more so of the the older stuff, really. But um. I feel like there's a mother and daughter in that movie that I might have talked about on a previous review that were like only 10 years difference in real life. Oh, uh, that seems about right. Yeah. The daughter in that movie seems like she, she, cause she's um, in D2. The daughter is, um, she's the, the tutor or whatever. So yeah, she's. Ah, there it is. Yep. 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 You probably brought that up since you've seen that movie a million times. Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the, uh, this relationship here between, uh, I, f- I forgot her name again. Wade, uh, last name is Sydney, Wade. Sydney. Sydney Ellen Wade. Yep. Sydney Ellen Wade. I thought her introduction was very cute uh, when she was checking in and she was trying to tell like the guard who she is and and her friend there, uh, Wendy. What was Susan? Susan. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Susan. She was like, he doesn't care who you are. Like he <laughs> he doesn't care what you do. And he's like, actually, well, I do know this. So I, I thought that was a, a pretty good introduction to her character um i know annette benning from she wasn't in dick tracy what's the what's that movie she was in with warren Beatty? bugsy i know her mm, from bugsy mm-hmm. um i know her from american beauty obviously but what do you think about her, her character and, and annette benning oh you know what's frightening to me is that i watched this movie last night and i was like how old is she when this is being filmed because i felt like she looked really old but I think it's more just the style back then, you know, the hair. And um, I, I don't love this look. She's a beautiful woman. Like, this is not her best look for me personally. Um, but she's pretty close to my age. So I was like, wow, I feel like I don't look like quite that age or quite that old. But yeah, so she was like 37, I believe, when I looked it up. Would have been right around that age when she filmed this. So um I can't think of, but yeah, maybe American Beauty Man. I just feel like there are movies where she looks a lot better. Um, and I know her just basically as the woman who finally nailed down Warren Beatty after he was such a man whore <laughs> for his whole life and the, the, the eternal bachelor. So, um, but her character was cute. And I thought that that intro was um, basically to show her passion. She's just like, exuding this always that she's so into whatever it is that her cause is and she's willing to adopt anything and and really go full force so i thought that was um a good way to show us that and then where he kind of walks into that meeting while she's basically um talking about him and you know that's what i think right off what attracted her, uh, him to her because he's used to people treating him like something other than what he is he he can't be a real person anymore because he's quote the president and she seems like the type that's just gonna 
say it like it is no matter what. So. Oh, yeah. She's not there to kiss his ass, but obviously she yeah. felt <laughs> like she just respected him and he just happened yeah. to overhear. So, yeah, right. I thought that was a great scene as well. Um, I Yeah, I think she's very beautiful in here. Uh, I think, you know, um, I don't know if it was because it was the style of perhaps the mid 90s with her hair. Yeah, exactly. I think I think maybe it's because they were trying to. Um, I, I don't know how old um, Michael Douglas was in this movie, but I imagine quite a bit older than her. But I feel the, you know, um, did her style to kind of match what an American president might like in a woman. You know what I mean? She did right. seem older. She, she didn't. She didn't look like um, like a floozy or like somebody um, that he was just into for her looks. Like she was beautiful in her way, but not in a way that was like superficial. I guess. So he's, he's attracted to her as a, you know, a force of nature and an intelligent person and somebody to like sit down and have, you know, they kind of show that scene when he comes back from that one trip and they're, you know, sitting in that restaurant and they're just completely engrossed in talking to each other and they can keep up with each other. You know, he's smart. She's smart. There's so much more to it than their, than their attraction to each other. Their minds work well together. It seemed now, Another actress that I feel is about the same age, and I was just kind of imagining her in this role where I feel like, I don't know, I, I wonder if they did anything to Annette Bening to, to age her up because, I mean, it it sounds terrible to me, but there's one point where she's talking to him, and what I really noticed was like um, like the wrinkle in her neck. You know, kind of like made her look really old. But I feel like Rachel McAdams, you know, is about the exact same age when Annette Bening was in this movie. She, you know, yeah. she could play a very similar role, but um, she like she would look her age. Annette Bening did not. Yeah, I that's fine. I, so I, I felt bad kind of thinking that. But then clearly we're both on the same page there that she clearly didn't look 37. And it could be the 90s style that just kind of wasn't her best look. Yeah, obviously we were, you know, young around the time this movie came out. So everyone always just looked older than us, right? Yes, exactly. And that's what I mean. I th- I thought, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's got to be like 45, 48, something like that. And I looked up and I was like, 37? Are you kidding? I mean, like, maybe I did the math wrong, but I mean, that just seemed not what I thought at all. Yeah. So uh, apparently, uh, I, I've, I've read this on Wikipedia, and I don't know if it was actually mentioned in the movie. I might have missed it because, I, again, the, the dialogue is so fast, you know. And um, But apparently he has been widowed for three years. You know, I think it was actually longer than three years. I don't know that they were specific. But the, the obviously he'd been president for three years. Um, but the... Death must have happened prior to maybe the election. So if I had to guess, it might be more like five years that she's been dead. I don't know that they gave us a specific date. Um, but, you know, because obviously he mentions that in the middle. Like, do you think we would have won if she hadn't died? Right. So either she had cancer while he was already campaigning or, um, you know, died, cl- you know, close to the beginning of the campaign. I think it's kind of hard to say, but... When they say things like you've raised this girl mostly on your own and she's supposed mm-hmm. to be 12 or 13, I mean, I feel like that has to be at least five years that she's been gone. But, you know, it makes sense that he would have been busy and not really focusing on meeting somebody else. He had, you know, time to grieve and also obviously a new job to to, to handle. So, um, yeah, it is a very interesting concept, though, having a president who's single. 
It really is. And I feel like the, yeah, the three years kind of stood out. I'm trying to find where I saw it, but obviously, I mean, you can't always trust everything that's online. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, you're, you're right. There is that line. Um, no, Michael J. Fox has like one of the best monologues in the entire uh, movie. It's important legislation that for the first time has a legitimate chance. She deserves every opportunity. She? To you meant head, didn't you, sir? You meant the important legislation deserves every opportunity. Lewis, shut up. You have something to say to me, Lewis? Respectfully, sir? I think we should examine the new poll for something more than its value. Examine what? They don't like that I'm going out with Sydney. It's not that simple. I think that this poll brings a murky problem in a specific relief. Whose problem are we talking about, Lewis? Yours? You worried about losing your job? Because this poll isn't talking about my presidency. This poll is talking about my life. 264 million 264 million people don't give a damn about your life. They give a damn about their own. All right, that's enough. Mr. President, you've raised a daughter almost entirely on your own, and she's terrific. So what does it say to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of this country has begun to question your family values? The president doesn't answer to you, Lewis. Oh, yes, he does, AJ. I'm a citizen. This is my president. And in this country, it is not only permissible to question our leaders, it's our responsibility. But you already know that, don't you, Mr. President? Because you have a deeper love of this country than any man I've ever known. And I want to know what it says to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of Americans have begun to question your patriotism. Look, if people want to listen to They don't have a choice. Bob Rumson is the only one doing the talking. People want leadership, Mr. President. In the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it. They'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage, and when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. Yeah, I, I really love that uh, that speech that he gives. Uh, freaking Michael J. Fox, man. He brought it. I mean, not only that that speech, but then also when he's trying to lobby on the phone and yeah. get those votes, and he like <laughs> flips out. And he's like, I'm going to go and get this big steak. And I'm going to make a list. <laughs> and he's like slams his pop. And it was good. There's that other one where he's shouting and then he like drops the F bomb like over the phone too. And David Paymer. Yeah. David Paymer, yeah. like, I'm obviously paraphrasing, but he's like, well, ho- hopefully, uh, you know, they were opposing, right? Because if not, like, <laughs> yeah. we, we got to work if on your. Was, <laughs> if that was undecided, we may need to work on your people skills. Yeah. His, his delivery, that was, that was pretty great. Clearly, he's just like, he's, uh, David Paymer was like annoyed, his character anyway. Just annoyed that they are kind of falling short, and it's like, all right, uh, Michael J. Fox, you're not handling yourself very well. So it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and I—that's exactly one of those things that if that would have been done by another actor potentially, that could have been a totally throwaway scene. Like, obviously, we needed to hear that. Listen, things are getting dicey. People are pulling out. We don't have the votes. Um, they could have told us that in any way, but I think Michael J. Fox did that scene so well that it just worked, worked for me really well. Yeah, it really did. And this is like what, about uh, three or four years removed from like Back to the Future 2 and 3. Um, cause part three came out in 91, but they shot the movies back to back and he actually didn't look that much older, you know, I, I think from, from, you know, part three, but there's one point, I don't know how long the production was. But there was one point, um, matter of fact, I think it was that big monologue. His hair looked a little 
like full in volume, did it not? Is that me? <laughs> no, yeah, he had a few. His hair was kind of all over the place, but it was almost like sometimes it was like. Was he like exasperated and like pulling on his hair a lot? Like I felt like that was one of his character tics. So okay. he's constantly like in in um, flux, you know. But every flux. point that he yeah, <laughs> every point that he was in in the movie, he really stood out to me. Like and and again, I don't know if it was because that I am a big fan of his, or if it was that he is kind of um, a standout actor like you know he had a small part but he made it really big all of his lines just the silly like they're in the limo and they're you know he's gonna hop out at the flower shop he's like no hopping you're not hopping out we you know we, we have to do a security check and he's like you think that this florist has an assassination attempt planned on the off chance i may stop in and he's like maybe uh, maybe and yeah. just like all his stuff it was just so believable he was so passionate so into his job and it it worked really well. And I kind of wonder if this role helped him decide and transition into Spin City, which was a really great show and a great role for him where he got that political side, but also made it so funny all the time. Great show. Did you see the episode with Christopher Lloyd? Probably. I haven't rewatched much of Spin City. And it was kind of one of those shows. I was a little older when it was on. So I didn't always, you know, I was busy. So I, would, I didn't always sit down and catch it. Um, but I tried to watch quite a bit of it. I never really watched it when Charlie Sheen was on, but those, those early years, that was good stuff. Yeah. I, I actually watched, um, the episode Christopher Lloyd was on, uh, for the obvious reasons, but, um, <laughs> only the cold open was really good because Christopher Lloyd shows up, obviously the audience applauses and they, they start going like, Oh, it's like stepping back in time, you know, and just allowing <laughs> the audience to just kind of clap along. And the, the dialogue was really bad. And then it ended with like, what, what are we even talking about? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, so it was just for the fans. And then like the, yeah. the rest of the episode was just kind of meh. Um, oh. but, um, yeah, the, Michael J. Fox, you know, for a, you know, the, the man is like five foot four or something like that, but he, his role is very big. He delivers everything very, very well. Every dialogue, every speech he has. The, the, that one, um, I don't know if it was a senator, but somebody he was speaking to over the phone, that very scene we were just talking about, you know, where he slams and drops the F-bomb. Mm -hmm. He's talking to a guy named George. I don't know if you caught that. He's like, George. And then he just starts like shouting. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and it was filmed very well because I feel that was I, I don't know if that was like an intentional, you know, thing for Back to the Future fans. But I'm just like, even if it was very subtle, it was just like you can. I think they filmed it in a certain way that it, it was just like. Uh, not related, you know, not even a coincidence. So I think that speaks to Rob Reiner's, you know, uh, talent there as a director. <laughs> yeah. And um, Samantha Mathis, I don't think we mentioned her, but she's um Is she the one with the interesting. glasses? She played the assistant and she's known or well was at that point in time. She was kind of came up at the same time as Sandra Bullock did. Okay. And she was beautiful and she Sandra Bullock got that speed role and that was like her breakout and then they put Samantha Mathis was in um, I think it was called Broken Arrow with Christian Slater okay so yeah. that was supposed to be her big speed movie basically like oh this one will be your big you know breakout role and she just her career just kind of never really went anywhere but she's like actually really, really pretty. But they gave her the brown hair where normally she was a blonde back then. Glasses made a real mousy kind of. But um, 
I think she was like in Rainmaker or something, right? Does that sound right? Or one of those other... Um, I feel like the Rainmaker was Claire Danes, maybe, but I could be misremembering. But no, she was in Little Women. She was in um, The Thing Called Love with River Phoenix. She was actually dating River Phoenix when he overdosed. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, pump up the volume. Okay. There we go. Oh, yeah. Pump up the volume. Yeah. So she had a few movies back then. And then it was um, and Sandra Bullock was in The Thing Called Love with her and River Phoenix and Dermot Mulroney. And then um, Sandra Bullock was kind of like the the sidekick. And she was such a big, you know, she was kind of the same way. Like she you could see that star quality in her as the side character. And she just took off after that. And Samantha Mathis, not so much. Yeah, but. she's still doing things, but um, just kind of looking back, the movies that I really remember her from, uh, she was the wife in The uh, the Punisher with John Travolta. Um, but mainly, I remember her from uh, that thing called Love and Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so mm-hmm. yeah, but she, she was, you know, um, a small character in this movie didn't really, it didn't matter to to me if it was Samantha Mathis, it could have been anybody. Like it didn't have that same um, aspect as like the Michael G. Fox stuff did. Her lines were just, she was the straight man and didn't, you know, could have been anybody. It didn't really do much for me. So it really did. Um, Let's see. uh, What what else do you want to talk about here? I mean, the, we kind of touched on a a lot of different things here. Do you want to, uh, jump to the end where uh, okay we we talk about how good the writing is and I just love like the all the different things that they go through um, especially like with this um, Richard Dreyfuss character once he comes in and you know the President Shepard he doesn't want to comment on his life because it's none of none of the uh, people's like business and then Michael J Fox like yeah yeah it is and he's got his moment again. Yep. Yeah. It, and it was a very interesting idea because it was so odd to think about, like, why should this matter so much? But for some reason it does. And you see that nowadays, too, that every single thing that the president is doing or not doing, people have an opinion about it. And it's usually the opposite side. So, you know, you have Obama was golfing all the time. And then you had people like, well, should he be golfing all the time? Should he be taking these trips all the time? And it's like, put it in perspective. Okay. What exactly is happening here? So then you have this guy in this movie who goes on a date right when he gets back from some important trip. And that's all they want to talk about. Well, he he makes time for this and he's out to dinner. And it's like the man has to have a life, too. You can't just think that he's going to be working all the time. Oh, he gets that call about Libya. Yes, Libyans, Libyans. Hey, the Libyans. you know, who cares if she was at his house when that happened? I mean, yes, is there like secret government, you know, security that has to happen so that, you know, this stuff is 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 confidential? Sure. But otherwise, it's like, let the man have a life. I, I don't know. I mean, or would it have mattered if he was more slowly dating her and then asked her to marry him? And, you know, he didn't do any of that stuff. They had a modern, regular relationship. And you see in the movie, the the right wing conservatives didn't like that, that that was bad to their family values. Um, you know, they they don't appreciate that. So it was it was interesting because, yeah, it's in the 90s, but that's a pretty modern. It's It's something that still is going on, that argument. Is marriage that important? Is it doesn't matter if you're married or just in a relationship when you have kids? Does it affect them? Does it not? Is it just about love and being a family in a 
whatever that definition can mean. You know, we all have blended families. We all have um, unique situations. And does that make us less as parents or whatever because it wasn't the traditional way? I don't think so. So, again, it's still a debate that's that's up <laughs> as we speak. Yeah, every so. single elections and every term and all that stuff, it, it is brought up. Um, you mentioned the, the 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 very difficult decision that he has to make, and you know, like we didn't even discuss um, how long this movie is. It's just like under two hours, but it's a yeah. great under two hours. Like I didn't feel like anything needed to be really shortened. I think everything, uh, like all the dialogue we keep talking about, I think is very. Um, you know the the movie itself is well paced. I think that the dialogue is all very important. That the the whole thing about the bombing in Libya, you know, the the talk about the custodian, you know, who mm-hmm. an hour ago didn't know he's about to walk into you know his death and all that. I thought I thought this really speaks to his character. But I want to ask you: Do you think? Uh, I mean, obviously we know what decision he uh, ends up making. But do you think President Shepard's weak? Well, I think that he had become weak. I don't think he intentionally was or didn't start off that way. But, I mean, he kind of says the line perfectly himself that he was so worried about doing his job that he forgot to do his job or he's so worried about keeping his job that he forgot to do it. And, you know, they have that that argument. And once again, Michael J. Fox bringing up the hard questions here. But he asked him, you know, they need a leader and they need, you know, anybody who walks up to the microphone and starts talking and talking to these people who feel like they're forgotten. And like, was that not so completely what just happened in the 2016 election? Like they, you know, nobody was getting up and speaking, right? Like from that side. So you have Donald Trump who walks in and speaks to these people. And then that makes all the difference because these people, it doesn't matter if they know the difference or not between quality and quantity, somebody who's getting out there and saying that they're going to lead, whether they're actually leading, um, is is the ultimate question. So they kind of I felt like their their discussion on that was kind of at a um it was kind of a wash because they both had made their point and neither was right or wrong at that point and then obviously Shepard comes around and has that epiphany and then he makes that great speech at the end which that he was he did need to say something. He did need to um he didn't have to attack the you know Richard Dreyfus character but he had to kind of point out and and be speaking and be leading and and he hadn't been doing that up until that point so and you know obviously sydney saying that that crime legislation bill that was like his big legacy thing and it was really worthless because it wasn't about the important things anyway it was just about enough of what they could get passed and it was like great you know you you pass this crime bill that's going to do nothing big deal mm-hmm. so Another reason I asked that question is because that really big fight him and AJ have, and that's got to be like one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, that was intense. It it really was. Um, and just thinking about it right now is kind of giving me chills because of how uh, how well both actors played it, and just that dialogue yeah. alone. It's like AJ, why were why was your name never on the ticket? And oh, and then the shot about like, well, if it was, you'd still be like a you know history professor at whatever <laughs> oh gosh it was so good but just the fact that you know um president shepherd he asks aj he's like you know if it hadn't been you know for i don't know what was it the death or whatever it was with his wife like would, yeah. would we had made it you know and he's like i don't know but that would have been a very interesting campaign and 
Right, because and they're they're saying that specifically the character debate. And I think that what AJ's telling him is you've made this persona and it's not really you. It's what you think that you need to portray to get people to vote for you or to approve of you. But if you were really yourself, you could win tenfold, but you're not really ever, you know, they, and it, and it's partially Shepard's fault, but it's partially everybody around him handling him that allowed him to be that persona instead of being a more natural version of himself. Yeah. Um, one of my, I don't know if you have any like ferret lines or anything like that. <laughs> there were a few, there was just few, there was just like a lot of the humor was so well done. The, the, the flower shop thing. I mean, when he says, who are you calling? (laughs) The national, the the representative from the national league of none of your business, the brotherhood of none of your business. It was like, (laughs) it is very good. Um, It's just, and he delivers those lines so well. Um, Michael Douglas, he really does because he, he exudes that confidence and that kind of swagger that you need to be able to be that, like, shut the hell up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I want to watch this movie again just because the dialogue and obviously the relationship between Shepard and uh, Sidney I, I think is pretty great too. Uh, one of my favorite lines um, in the movie, which like at first I, I thought was a little cheesy, but having, um, you know, I don't know, I guess less than 25 hours to kind of uh, let, it, let it marinate a little bit. I was like, oh man, like it, there were so many other things behind the actual line. But it's when they, uh, when Sidney and President Shepard fought, uh, towards the end there, then she goes, you know, Mr. President, you didn't just lose something, but you lost my vote. What was that you, line? Yeah, yeah. He says, um, I hope I hope I haven't I hope I haven't lost you. And she says, you have much more to worry about than losing me. You've lost my vote. Yeah. And I'm just like, at first, all, I thought that was a little cheesy. I was like, ah, you know, it's it's political. He's a president. But I was like, well, no, you know, when you vote for somebody, you really believe in that person, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, ouch, you know. And so that so it was like earlier this morning when I was like, Oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah he, he, she, yeah. It, it's more than just the girlfriend. It's it's beyond that. Like she, you know, no longer believes in this man. That that, that he's just kind of all talk, you know. So yeah, yeah. That, that, probably one of my favorite lines. Yeah. And so, what do you think happens when the movie ends? Like what we don't see. So he gives he gives a speech. He gives the State of the Union, and it's like there's a standing ovation basically as he's walking in. And so do you think that we're supposed to believe that he goes on to win a second term and everything is magically good and better? I feel like in their universe, it it is probably all hunky dory uh, just (laughs) because how everything played out. I I think uh, obviously in the real world, he does not, but then they would, they would continue to date and probably eventually get married. Like I, I, I I think he lost. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was interesting because like yeah, this is I feel again more of a rom com than it is a, like a dramedy or anything like that. But just kind of based on like some of the, uh, Aaron Sorkin's other works, like this is more more of something that you have to kind of suspend your disbelief for a little bit more than some than some of his other stuff. Yeah, maybe I I thought that it was um, a good balance of the humor and the serious stuff um but it also you kind of had to be like you said it goes fast there's a lot of dialogue you have to kind of really be listening to pick up on all the subtleties and then understand kind of why these things are funny so it was it was a smart rom-com for sure 
Oh, it really was. So at one point, um, President Shepard lost Sydney's vote. I want to see if this movie lost your vote. Uh, on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 77 score. And on IMDb, it, it got a 6.8. Where do you think, uh, how would you vote on this movie? Would you agree more with the Rotten Tomatoes or the IMDb score? Yeah, I feel like I would give it like an 8 out of 10 if I was going to rate it on okay. a level 10 scale. So, so pretty close to, to the rotten. rotten. T- yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, I think uh, 8 eight's probably, uh, is, is probably pretty fair. Um, I like this enough that I do want to own this movie uh, just because I feel like if I own it, I'm more than likely to watch it uh, a little bit more. It's not going to break into any kind of like um, rotations for me, but I really enjoyed... Martin Sheen, Michael J. Fox, um, you know, and I would put, uh, you know, uh, Michael Douglas a little bit further down, but he was still great in the uh, titular role here as the American president. Annette Benning, you know, I thought she was very cute in this movie, but I feel she was almost like, I, I don't know if she separated herself from any other love interest in another, like, uh, um, I don't know, like in another rom-com with like adults, you know, and not like your young adults or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like you're, it's complicated, you know, with like Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin, like that. Like, I I feel she doesn't quite separate herself um, from some of those, uh, those roles, but it's still a very good movie nonetheless. Yeah, I definitely liked it. And um, Martin Sheen, like you said, we didn't specifically talk too much about him, but he was subtle and pulled that off so well, because I think that was the the message we should have been getting from this was that he was the kind of man behind the curtain a little, you know, so um, Shepard's the face and he's back there doing kind of the heavy lifting and he never really let on to Shepard. I don't think fully, you know, you you have that scene at the beginning where he's like, um, you can call me by my first name, you know, which obviously was more for our benefit than anything, but you know, you can call me by my first name. And he just keeps saying, whatever you say, Mr. President, whatever you say, Mr. (laughs) President. But really deep down, he's got a way more realistic view of this presidency and life than, than Shepard does. Who's like, (laughs) doesn't get it till the end. When right. He, when you finally have that big, big thing. So, yeah, that was that was well played and well done. The whole, you know, the acting in this was really, really good. The dialogue, the writing, all of that was was very good. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, if um, you know, for those that might be listening that hadn't seen this movie, it's definitely worth a watch. But if you don't think you can spare almost two hours of, you know, a good mix of like political and, and a love story, at least check out the clips on YouTube. You know, you know, if nothing else, at least for those, uh, you know, speeches and, and monologues that we kind of talked about, because those in itself are pretty amazing. Yeah, I completely agree. Yep. Anything, any of the, the Michael J. Fox monologues and then um, Shepard's big speech at the end that he gives at the press conference was great. So I just kind of looked real briefly, but um, this movie was nominated for a Best uh, Music, Original Music or Comedy Score. Uh, oh. so, yeah. So the music was really good, obviously. Um, for Golden Globes, it did get nominated uh, no wins, but nominated for Best Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical, uh, Best Director, Best Performance by an Actress, 
uh, best performance by an actor. That's Michael Douglas and best screenplay Aaron Sorkin. So it get nominated for five uh, Golden Globes. So very good yeah. movie. You know, the only other thing I wanted to mention quickly was that we didn't talk about who um, who also was up for these roles, for the big roles. Um, I guess Robert Redford. Yeah, that would have been uh, pretty interesting. And also for the um, for the uh, Annette Benning. Annette Benning. Oh. It was uh, Emma Thompson. That would have been. Oh, wow. Good. Oh, look, yeah. No, I don't know. That would have been yeah, interesting. Um, I don't know. If- good. I love Emma Thompson. I do, but I don't know if I can... I feel like she'd be a little bit more quirky. Mm, she can be very, very serious. I mean, if you've seen her in some of her um, Jane Austen, um, she was in Sense and Sensibility. Right. She actually is a very... She wrote the screenplay for that. Um, so, yeah, she's got that smart, pretty thing going on. And, you know, that, okay. so that could have been interesting. Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer... And mm. apparently Jessica, Jessica Lang, but you know somebody was just talking about Susan Sarandon the other day. Did you see that? And it was like I am not somebody. Somebody said uh, they're Jeffrey like Wright. completely not attracted to her at all. Like they don't find Susan Sarandon attractive at all. Like some people really do. Like the Bull Durham days and when she you know was younger, like they they think she's hot, but other people just don't see it. Yeah, I think it was Jeffrey Wright that tweeted it out, and somebody shared his tweet. Oh, um, really? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it was. And I didn't, I didn't quite understand what was going on, but I, I can kind of see that. Uh, I think it might be her eyes that, that I'm not a big fan of. Cause like, I always think back to the client when I think of Susan Sarandon. Oh, yeah. 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 So. So yeah, Robert Redford, it, uh, I, I guess him and Rob Reiner didn't really get along and that's why that didn't work out. Because hmm. Robert Redford wanted it to be more of like a, an actual rom-com and, Reiner was like, no, I want to add politics to it. <laughs> and so so I, I, we got what we got. And I, I feel it's great what we got. Um, Robert Redford, yeah, yeah. I, I would have been okay with that. But I feel he might have been slightly older, maybe, than uh, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything that Robert Redford's done that I find funny. And I mean, was right. Michael was Michael Douglas funny or was it just the the way that he delivered the lines was cocky enough that it gave us a laugh? It was the delivery. I, I feel that mm-hmm. you're probably right. Robert Redford probably could have done it. If anything, he would have been a little less comical, which might have been a little bit more believable. More funny. As a yeah. <laughs> and then potentially more funny because yeah. he's like, you know, like think about him like trying to order those flowers and he's not understanding why he can't like, why, why won't this woman just take my order? And like, really think, think about it. Like, but they, you know, those, those little pieces of it made it cute. Because he's so naive and trying to be normal. And the dentist office, that was another funny line, too. Like, my dad's on the phone with, with his dentist. And she's like, okay. And he, she's like, well, he told me to tell you that he's on the phone with his dentist. And she's like, well, okay, well, great. And she's like, well, he's not really. He just wanted me to tell you that. Oh. She's like, why? <laughs> well, he wants you to think, you know, he's a normal normal guy. She's like, well, who's he really on the phone with? Oh, the prime minister of Israel. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he was trying so hard to be like the... Whatever. Yeah, just so. a normal normal guy. Uh, for mm-hmm. you know, because he he does that often. Like he's trying to let her know that you know I'm I'm just anybody else, not the American president. And she's like, well, <laughs> no, because you are. So yeah, yeah. There's yeah. that play too. But um, yeah, Liz, I wanted to thank you again for for coming on um, to talk about the American president. 
Yeah, anytime. I'm always good for any uh, nostalgic movies anyway. There's so many. So anytime you need me, I'll be here. All right. So if anybody wants to, uh, you know, reach you on social media, I don't know if you really, uh, you know, invite the interaction or welcome it. But uh, if you do, where can listeners get a hold of you or even listen to some of the your coverages? Um, again, yeah, I'm on TV Ate My Brain, which is a Core Temp Arts podcast for TV. And you can see me on Twitter. I am at Eliz Plum, E-L-I-Z-P-L-U-M-M. And I do, in more recent weeks, um, since I've been watching Riverdale, that's a big show on Thursday nights. And so I do try to like live tweet that show because it's a lot of fun. Um, some of the cast tweets and so I try to get out there and do that. But um, but yeah, so I am definitely on Twitter. So anytime. Yeah, it's, it's really fun when the cast are very engaging uh, because the cast that was engaging with me uh, was um, the cast of Frequency. You know, so mm. I, yeah, I got, I got to talk with some of, uh, some of them. A Kai Pfeiffer retweeted a bunch of my tweets and stuff. So, uh, so at TV at my brain, you can find my coverages of Timeless, Frequency, uh, The Walking Dead. I think that's all I do there, but also We Got Five is, is also part of the Corten Parts family. So, um, that's it. So if you want to check out more content from Corten Parts, just go to CortenParts.com. We obviously have a group page. Uh, just type in Corten Parts Podcast, and we'll grant you access if you request it, and you can interact yep, with Facebook. us. Exactly. Liz is there. We're all there. Uh, so you can mingle with the listeners and other hosts of, uh, of all of our shows as well. So, again, I want to thank Liz, and I want to thank you all for listening. And if you haven't done so, please consider leaving an iTunes review for uh, for Podstalgic, and I'd really appreciate that. So, until the next episode, thank you guys for listening. Podstagic is part of Cortemp Arts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Listen to some of our other shows like Get Real Movies, Blood, Guts, and Blu-ray, and The Broken Brain at cortempart.com.